Hi and welcome to our bandwidth, your source for everything you need to know about the technologies, trends and concepts that are steering our industry today. We hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, please subscribe. Okay, hi and welcome to another Arrow Bandwidth and I'm here today with myself and we are at Big Data London 2018. I'm here with our previous co-host, Mr. Rory McBride from Arrow ECS. Good morning, good morning. But we're also here and we're sort of, um, we've been joined by one of our sponsors this year of our Big Data London stand from Delhi MC and I'll let them introduce themselves. Yeah, Ross? Thanks David. My name's Ross Porter from, as you say, from Delhi MC. Um, heavily involved in the unstructured data solutions business there, running the EMEA pre-sales team um, in that space. And I'm joined by Ben Conquest. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm one of Ross's unstructured uh, SE managers, so I run the UK and Ireland business. Um, lots to do, lots going on, so should we crack on with the questions? Absolutely. So I think first thing, first thing I want to sort of like dig into is unstructured data. This has been something that has, has been a, a topic that's buzzed around for years and years and years. We've had data lakes, we've had lots of buzzwords and terminology. But what's the reality of, of enterprise unstructured data today? How much is being taken advantage of? You know, what's your experience? Where are we in the enterprise adoption of this, this technology? Yeah, so I think from a technology perspective, you know, unstructured data isn't necessarily new in terms of what customers are capturing and what customers are seeing in terms of the levels that they, they have in their organizations. But I think what is new are the, the myriad of sources that unstructured data is now coming at them from um, and how they can begin to take advantage and leverage some of those sources. So, you know, things like um, the advanced adoption of social feeds, the advanced adoption of things like CCTV, all of those things which capture uh, data which, you know, doesn't sit inside of, of traditional database formats, uh, are sources of information, sources of data that organizations can make huge amounts of use of if they understand the value of the data that they have. Um, and what we're seeing is that, that organizations are capturing such vast amounts of that data and it's actually the largest and fastest growing element of their infrastructure is the amount of unstructured data that they have inside of their organization so you know the the, the industry analysts talk about it at growing kind of 80 percent year over year organizations talk about or, or, or the amount of data that organizations now have is you know more this year than they had last year and it's really about how they capture that store it as you say data lakes or consolidation but really about how they then drive value out of having that that, that amount of data in there and and from an unstructured data solutions perspective at, at Delhi MC we talk about that in terms of, of data capital and how organizations can really drive some value out of the the, the data that they have and to treat that data like any other physical asset that they have in their organization, whether it's their personnel from a staffing perspective, whether it's their value proposition from their products or their, their infrastructure. But really, you know, data is now something which organizations are absolutely reliant on in terms of driving new insights, new products, new revenue streams. And, and that's what we're, we're having lots of conversations with our customers about. So Ross, are you seeing the um, adoption of big data being moving more into the mainstream critical application side rather than sort of a, a tertiary business? Um, yeah, I action? think I think there's many ways of kind of defining and, and capturing terms of reference around big data, but certainly what we're seeing is, you know, you know, big data to customers right now is is not just about 
volumes of data that they have or, or the size of a file that they're trying to move around their organization, but really what they can be doing with those huge amounts of, of volumes of data and, and how they can start to look at, that, look at the data, look at the big data that they have in different ways to be able to gain more insights into existing products and services that they have or use that data to maybe take a completely different track in the in the market that they're operating in by by coming up with some new products and services or, or new innovation in that space. Uh, yeah, I've often argued that the term's a bit misleading. Analytics would probably be a better way to, to look at it for a lot of the, the companies that are trying to utilize the information they have today. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that, you know, particularly vendors cut terms of reference around it, whether it's data insights, data capital, being being more data driven is a very popular one at the at the moment across the market with a number of vendors. But really I think, you know, all of that comes down to how do organizations capitalize on the vast amounts of information that they have and are capturing every single day with, with just the data that they have. Um, you know, terms of terms being used around data being the new oil, data being the new, you know, the new sun I've heard, those types of things. I think you know, those, are, those are great words and great buzzwords to have, but when the rubber hits the road, it's about what organizations can really do with that information that, they've, that they have. Yeah, and I suppose therein lies the single biggest issue. I mean, it's not necessarily the collecting the data. I think when we started talking about GDPR, I think everyone started to realize when they actually took a good hard look at the data they stored, the, the amount of unstructured data inside an organization was terrifying. Everything from audio, video, images, all of these truly unstructured pieces of data, but then more importantly, just, you know, unstructured text documents, you know, PDFs, Word documents where they'd never actually gleaned any value from them. They just sort of had them sitting there. You know, what do they do with them? Do they get rid of them? Do they turn them into, into resources? I mean, where, where are you seeing organ customer oh, organizations now? I think now we're way well post the 25th of May this year. You know, and we're in a position where a lot of people have looked at their data and taken a serious look. Have you seen people take or think about unstructured data differently or are you seeing no real difference and actually still people are not taking advantage of this critical sort of asset in their organizations? It's an interesting question. Um, I'm not going to talk specifically about GDPR. I'll talk about what I refer yeah, to fine. as, Don't worry about uh, as sort of corporate <laughs> memory. So a lot of these companies have been around for a very long time, um, you know, especially some of the big financial companies. And you know, looking at their data, and they're looking at either 100 terabytes up to 10 petabytes of information, data, something. And a lot of these companies aren't using you know, that, that, that corporate memory. They have a lot of memories, like all of us do. And I think hopefully most of you have this situation when you want that memory, you often can't find it in your head. You don't remember what you're talking about. So companies are saying to me, you know, we've got all this information. And they come to me and say, what do I do with it? How do I get it somewhere? How do I do something with it? And that's kind of the concept behind what, what Ross has uh, mentioned there, data capital, is being able to take what you've got and leverage it. Because once it sits in silos on some kind of archive platform or tape or wherever it may sit, that, that data is almost dead. And companies are starting to realize that corporate memory has value. You know, we saw it in the transition from you know, your mass traditional business intelligence systems going into the more Hadoop-oriented you know, systems that are using it all to do predictive insights. The more corporate memory they can leverage, the more they can make use of this data. So they're getting value from it. And that's not just the new stuff coming in, that's the historical stuff. So people are much more inclined to analyze those data sets. And what we think we do as, as, as an organization is help them, number one, get rid of those silos, to so bring it into a single place, make it usable, make it accessible. And then, like you were saying, analytics becomes synonymous with big data. 
using those analytics platforms, whether it be the traditional stuff, whether it's going into a BI platform, the mass parallel processing elements, whether it's something like um, a batch processing in Hadoop, or whether it's machine learning. But it's getting it in one place and being able to use it and capitalizing it, which is becoming important. You know, data is king, data is money, all these things that are coming through, you have to be able to leverage it, whether it's new or old. So we're seeing a big driver to get rid of silos, to get things in one place. We're seeing big drivers to actually analyze that data, to work out if some of it is just junk. Um, you know, people are throwing lots of stuff away and they're keeping what's valuable. And what people are finding is there's a lot more value than they thought there was. Yeah, I must admit, that's one of the things that we found is that the level of, of value that people are now deriving from the data has gone up significantly once people have taken a serious look at it. But I also think you've got to have an understanding as to how you turn that data into value. Because quite often you can look at something and say, if I could, if I could extrapolate um, you know, dwell time yep. from video imagery, yep. I, could, I could use that to understand what video is playing in a, in a marketing space or in a resale environment, and therefore I can understand what people are actually watching versus what they want. And I think the single biggest problem we have today in the unstructured data space is the capture, I think, is well understood. The storage is well understood. But what you then do with it, and you, you know, we've spoken briefly about this, about another, but let's talk about some specifics now. You know, if, we, if we're looking at implementing, say, some sort of machine learning on top of that, I think, do you think that the, the limiting factor to big data, or to unstructured data, is actually people's knowledge or people's, you know, I don't want to say risk, but almost risk to sort of doing something with it? Yeah, I, I, not necessarily risk. I think it's no, about it's not creativity risk, no. or, or, or being, looking at that, that data with, through a new lens. Yeah. And, and not, you know, not treating it all as equal. You know, that data in the past might have been captured for one reason. You know, um, surveillance or CCTV. Well, it's, you know, CCTV is a classic it, example. It's a classic example of unstructured data <laughs> being captured in huge amounts of uh, huge amounts from a volume perspective every single day. We're probably on, you know, right now we're probably on one of two, three, four, five CCTV yeah, exactly. cameras, and and primarily that will be being used right now to make sure that nothing untoward is happening, or there's no, you know, pieces of left luggage, or somebody shouldn't be where they they shouldn't be. But 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 being creative and looking at that from a new angle and trying to look at actually what can we do with that value and, and track how people move around a show floor or track how people move around yeah. a supermarket or track how somebody moves through an yeah. airport and, and really deriving some value or some data, data capital or some insights on that to say, well, you know, our, our natural footfall around a supermarket doesn't lend itself to how the promotions need to be set out or the or the big brands want to pay for the shelf space in those areas because we're just bypassing them because it's not where we would how we would normally move or and, and you think about that from a you know from a retail perspective um, places like airports how do we move through airports how do how do we allow those airports to look at that traditional CCTV data to come up with with new ways of saying, well, actually, if we put a concession yeah. stand here, we're going to we we actually have 90% of our footfall go through that, and at the moment, it's just a dead, empty space which isn't generating anything Absolutely. for anybody. Absolutely, I must admit. So we've seen um, we've seen a on a practical perspective, CCTV start to actually take over the traditional sort of I say traditional. It's not really even not even had a chance to be traditional yet, but IoT space yeah. because people are trying to put sensors to understand you know how many people are in a room and looking at heat patterns and and you know, people counting people in and out. But actually, as you say, there's probably four or five video cameras here. Each one of them, although I think 
the only reason that it's not being leveraged as much as it is is, is the complexity. The complexity to dealing with on, off, on, off, counting people in and out of a room, as opposed to the complexity of trying to take a really super unstructured data source and process it in anything that looks like um, sort of real time, it, it just feels infinitely more complicated. I mean, so, so what we just talked about is siloing and all the data stuff is actually probably a five-year-old message, right? So what's making it important now is people's ability to use the data. So one of the real drivers now is, is machine learning, whether that be machine learning in its classic sense of almost pattern recognition or its development into deep learning. It's the ability to do these things on data cost-effectively, which is why a lot of my conversations start with, hey, I've got like 16 bits of storage everywhere, but actually where I tend to drive them is to outcome. What are you actually trying to achieve? You know. I come, to, I come to an example of we were talking with um, a broadcaster um, and it was kind of going down the analytics road. What, are, you know, what data have we got? What platform have we got? What are we going to use? What flavor of analytics are we going to use? And my question to them was, well, what are you actually trying to achieve? Yeah. You know, and you, know, you often hear about this thing about multi-cloud or services or consuming something. It's actually what you can do with the data, which is now driving the, the explosion as far as I can see, this, this huge growth, because people are seeing value. You know, CCTV 10 years ago was someone sifting through videos you know, looking for something to happen. Whereas now you're using it to actually use the history, use what's going on now, to actually do things like Ross was saying, put in a concession stand. You know, examples where, you know, some of our partner companies are doing analytics have been doing it for a while now. Uh, you know, the classic one was the NFL, where people are going around buying things in the concession stands. The system is actually monitoring and live monitoring what's going on in all the parts of that stadium and saying, wow, we've had an influx of people in, you know, entrance A, let's make sure it's got beer and sausages on that stand there. But it's just a very simple example of how all the data is coming together. So it's not just singular pieces of data, which we could analyze very clumsily 10 years ago. It's the fact that machine learning and deep learning are allowing us to do something with it. So the outcome and, and the capabilities to get that outcome is really what's driving the data explosion. And you hear it probably a lot at this conference, you know, deep learning is only as good as the data behind it. The fact that these data sources are now multiple petabytes and can be addressed in one place, you're getting better insights and you're driving more interesting outcomes and more valuable outcomes, not just risk, you know, natural language processing. You're driving things like ideas, you know. Deep learning is not just a, I want X outcome. Deep learning is coming back to companies and saying, You've got all this corporate memory, you've got all this data coming in, here's maybe what you could do. It's actually offering up ideas, which is, uh, which is equally as valuable. So you just brought me up to a very really interesting point, which is sort of a, an interesting segue into almost the future. I appreciate we'll come back yeah. round to, to the present, because we've, sort of, we've gone from the past now into the future. But we love the future. What is the future, <laughs> of, the future of unstructured data? Because if what you say is true, deep learning will be the death of large storage of unstructured data. And I, Allow me to expand on that. Yep, please do. Because we're seeing more and more and more AI move to the edge, right? So we, we sell at Arrow, we sell a solution which is a, a, a camera that has a basically an NVIDIA chip in it. Yep. And that chip basically turns the unstructured data at the edge into structured data that gets sent back and okay. stored as very structured data about, you know, so Rory came in, stood in front of a mirror in a, in a shopping space and tried on a jacket, it was this particular jacket, and he was not happy with it. So therefore, we've had 10 people come in, try this jacket on, not happy with it, move that jacket somewhere else, try a different piece of clothing. Okay. So essentially, we've taken what would have had to have been masses of stored unstructured data, yep. and actually destroyed the unstructured data and turned it into highly structured data before it even got to the data lake. Now, there is a reason to store that structured data because of the unstructured data, because you want to be able to do training and further sort of refine your deep learning models going forward. But 
if that's all you need it for, I mean, is that a future that, that you could see happening where actually unstructured data is almost processed and destroyed before it even really becomes a problem anymore? So, so think about one, uh, the classic one for me is smart cities and connected cars. You know, and the number of data sources that are going to be collecting information about, I don't know, where you are on the road, what you're nearby, what you're doing, what's going on in your car. You know, there's going to be a myriad of sources. And frankly, that data probably doesn't need to be stored. You, know, you don't need petabytes of the guy was sitting down for six or seven days. Um, you know, it's not needed. Or someone decided to not use their car for a week. You know, it's interesting information, but that, that kind of inference, the deep learning, the edge inference you're getting from that data is in itself just going to be day to day. But the way the models are being run and the way that, like I said, it's not just processing, I want to do X, so please tell me what, what bits do what. Deep learning is giving you insights, and the, deep, the bigger that data set, the bigger that modeling data set, the better those insights can be. And like I said, you're not just looking at getting a known outcome. You know, you're, you're also now looking at what something can do. So I think, yes, you're right to a certain extent on the edge. You're probably going to see a decline in larger data sets far further out as the inference models become more complex. The more that those deep learning models uh, you know, develop into the inference that, that's going to be happening in your, your jacket mirror, um, you, know, you don't need to store all that. But you know, they're going to be pushing data back to a model. And that model is really where they're going to be doing a lot of the, a lot of the deep learning insights, the stuff that's going to be valuable. So yes and no, I think the edge stuff, I can see that. Um, but on the, on the, in the core, where you're doing a lot of your your real heavy lifting, I think they're going to be large data sets. The larger that set, the better your insights effectively. And, and I think Ben's right. We're going to see more of that come into existence with things like smart cities and autonomous driving. But you know, to, to come back to your jacket example, it might be driving a real-time decision as to you know, what color of jacket to put in front of the, the dressing rooms that Rory's going to pick up before he goes in there. But, but the longevity of that data that he takes it off and he puts it back on the shelf and walks away, can have a whole another set of, of, of use cases or, um, or or value from it. You know, why did Rory put it down? Was it the wrong colour? Was it a bad fit? Is it that the the you know we're not keeping up with the latest fashion? Are the buttons in the wrong places? Have we got the wrong lapels on this type of jacket? All of that will happen after the fact that or what you're trying to do in store, which is sell that jacket and and and, and almost drive an impulse purchase that we've got the right merchandise in the right place. But, but there has to be some intelligence behind that to say, well, in the first instance, have we even got the right merchandise in the store that's going to catch Rory's eye as he walks past it? And that happens not, uh, for me, not, not necessarily at the edge, but that happens somewhere else inside of the infrastructure and is a, is a completely different use case. And, and Ben's right, as we're seeing more adoption of autonomous driving um, for, for vehicles to make those smart decisions in real time, there's also going to be a huge amount of, of value in the data that they're capturing at the time to do, you know, post-event analysis when something goes wrong, or, 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 or an autonomous car made a decision that that hadn't been seen before, or was faced with a scenario that hadn't necessarily been seen before. There's then got to go back and do a whole lot of, um, you know, advanced advanced re-engineering or analytics on that. Which, which, which will then drive those decisions at the edge, but that analysis of that unstructured data will happen somewhere in the core of the infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, the way I sort of see it is that whilst you will be doing some of that at the edge, you'll be able to now pull more data sources together in the core. You know, you'll have, be able to do second level processing and understand maybe uh, to a greater extent, maybe well, not what's going to happen in the weather in the next 48 hours, but in the next two to three months, because you're able to pull a lot more data sources together in a lot faster time. You know, models will get better. Um, 
you know, autonomous cars, as we mentioned, I was in one in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and, and just sitting in the, in the passenger seat and watching the amount of data that it's collecting is, is phenomenal. Um, and I asked them, so what about vehicle-to-vehicle uh, -vehicle communications? And she said, that is on the roadmap, but it's not today. And, and that will, uh, you know, create a secondary explosion yeah. later down the line. It, it will, and it's, you know, Ben and I took a quick walk around the, the show floor here, and it's, it's really interesting to see companies like O2 and Vodafone here, you know, because, yeah. because all of a sudden, this myriad of an explosion of, of big data, of unstructured data, when we're talking about autonomous vehicles or edge devices or mobile devices, you know, that has to be moved around somehow. That has to be transmitted or transferred or um, back to the core in some shape or form. And, and increasingly, the mobile networks are going to be playing a, a big part in that, as is the infrastructure that you decide to put inside of the, you know, the core or the data center or, or however you want to call it. So, so I mean, my, my view is the challenge is going to be collecting the data. You know, I don't think actually, I think there's no, I don't think there's any question the data sets are going to still be large. There's going to be lots of centralized probably storage locations. It's about how you can collect that data and, and actually get it somewhere you can use it, um, which is why we're seeing things like Kafka and Provega kind of picking up that kind of streaming analytics. Um, you know, Michael Dell's keynote on IQT. You know, there are things that we're doing as a company that, you know, we see it coming. You know, this, this, this connected car and the smart city concept, you know, is, is very interesting because you just want one point about, you know, the, the cars talking to each other. What yeah. about the car talking to the city? You know, so, you know, we're, we're driving towards outcomes. And I mean, the outcomes within the connected car industry, you know, consider, consider it not to be buying a car, but now mobility as a service. And that brings with it its own challenges, but you have to have devices that can collect all the data, devices that can process the data, that can process it on the edge in in enough speed and, uh, and in real time, or near real time, to bring it somewhere to make it useful. Consider things like, I don't know, uh, insurance claims or preemptive maintenance. These are, these are data sources that are coming at speed and they need to be processed edge, the core. It's gonna be a huge explosion of all these things and we're seeing investments around the country in smart city initiatives, you know, people doing I don't know, intelligent lampposts or intelligent tracking of something, you know, and, and some cities are globally are doing, already doing connected car sort of rollouts and testing and uh, obviously the regulations are different in each country, but we're seeing different levels of engagement. So it's a really exciting, you know, you can tell maybe I'm slightly passionate about it. It's a really exciting, <laughs> you know, it's a really exciting field because every time I talk to someone, there's something new. We were talking to a company the other day that are creating uh, cars that go in a little train with one another. So they drive, they drive along with each other in a line on the road, and they are talking to each other. Do they talk to other things on the road? Not so much, but they're talking to each other. Yeah. So it's really fascinating the things that are happening, and it's being enabled by things like machine learning and things like deep learning and the size of the data sets. They could never have driven these insights 10 years ago or 15 years ago because yeah. simply it was either cost ineffective or they just didn't have the amount of data they needed to do it. So how much of the refinement is going on in real time? How much of that unstructured data set is being refined in real time though down and down and down from truly unstructured data into much more structured outcomes. I mean, I suppose, I, I appreciate I'm, I'm hammering my point and maybe, and I, I love that you beat me back, black and blue, all three of you on it. Um, that's fine, that's fine, that's my job, right? But at the end of the day, I mean, one of the things that we've definitely seen is an explosion in edge capabilities. You know, the edge has become a lot more capable, a lot less going back to the data center because what we're seeing is what goes back to the data center is near or pseudo information, um, albeit it's a tensor, but it's not a full fat HD image of a, of, of a video camera or something, you know, and the cars, once again, the data they're streaming back to the center or back to each other is not the raw sensor data of the oil pressure at that point in time. It's the predictive maintenance information. It's, it's 
I found this anomaly. It's almost like they're, they're filtering in real time their own systems and fil filtering back. So if that's what's going back to the central core and then you're essentially doing your inference on your structured data, yep. where, you know, so the future, future, future of unstructured data. Future, are we, are we, are we still, still feeling like it's going to be really, really relevant yeah. or? Yeah, I can't see it slowing down. Good. You know, I absolutely can't see it slowing down. I think we, we as a society are producing more and more bits, bytes, terabytes, petabytes, yep. whatever's next, you know, after that of, of unstructured data every single day. When we sit down and we, we put on, you know, the on-demand services on our smart TVs, yeah, we're true. generating unstructured data right there with the, the history that we have with online purchases. Yeah, there's, there's an element of structured data in that, but there's also, you know, a large proportion of unstructured data that we're, we're creating that, you know, people are going to download this podcast. This podcast is going to be in existence for however long. There's a great we are fundamentally unstructured. unstructured data. So the longer we, yep. the longer we keep talking, the more unstructured <laughs> data we're driving. So no, fantastic. So yep. I, I suppose, okay. good. Right. <laughs> so, so no, go for it. I mean, I was going to add to that, you know, I mean, we don't know what we don't know in the future, right? So, you know, we, if we throw away all this information, we've lost a lot of a lot of memory. So there's also an argument to suggest that, yes, we will have a lot of inference models in the field that are throwing away a lot of the unstructured elements. Yeah. But actually, you know, the deep learning, what we're, what we're seeing now already, a huge amount, huge amount of value from things we never even thought might be relevant. You know, I mean, I, I hate to go back to ADAS, but, the, you know, the, the autonomous driving development stuff, you know, there's people that are sitting there labeling things and, you know, that's a sign and this is that. But they're learning from the deep learning algorithms that you can actually get a lot more information out of what, what's, being, what's coming together. So the deep learning is looking at not just the HD video, it's looking at LiDAR, radar, infrared in some cases, multiple cameras, uh, you know. So it's, that data is valuable. And I think there's going to be an element of we need to keep some of that. Regardless of whether we throw 90% away, there's, there's billions of people in the world and we're only collecting a very small amount now. That's only going to grow. And I think there's always going to be a, a, a drive to keep some of this unstructured stuff in its really in its rawest form because there's insights to be gained that we may not even see now. And I think so you just raised a really really good point. And actually, I was at an Nvidia conference the other day, and they basically said, you know, one of the biggest values to to storing and, ho and holding unstructured data is you don't know what you don't know. And actually, you might ask a question today of your unstructured data, but actually tomorrow you might ask a completely different set of questions. And if you haven't got that core data source to go back to, then you are not going to be able to answer those questions. And that, and that almost comes full circle to where we started this conversation, which is you're, you're using CCTV for one reason today, but you don't actually know what you might be wanting to use it for in the future. So why throw it away? Why get rid of it? It's, it's going to have some exactly. kind of value. That and data capital is, 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 has it, a longevity. It brings me on to another point altogether, which is um, you know, I, I see a huge um, industry evolving around data as a service. And actually, if you're the CCTV company for, for the Olympia, yeah, today you're doing it for security, right? And you've got people sitting there. But actually, if you were to process that data once, you might be able to understand the number of people who came through the door. You could process it again to understand the number of women versus men yeah. for a specific show. You might be able to understand the, num the, the racial diversity. Yeah. You might be able to understand, actually, the number of people that wore green tops, if that's a question that someone asks of you. You know, you could provide, actually, do you know what? The people wore this to this conference, this to this conference, this to this conference. And you're absolutely right. If you've destroyed that data at the edge, then you are done for. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of exactly what happened when Ben and I walked in this morning. So we, we walked through the doors, and you were in a great spot here, you know, prime location, first stand on the left-hand side coming through. 
but but yep. but we didn't but we didn't, <laughs> but we we didn't actually spot you until we were about 10 yards down here when i turned around and i said okay where are the numbers so that's a great example of are you actually in the right spot being here on the left hand side of the door which something like the cctv footfall and how people come into the building you know we're looking at our badges i've got my phone out looking at the schedule i'm not actually really paying that much attention as to what's immediately around me and then when i finally look up and say well i've got to meet I've got to meet Arrow at booth 100, that I turn around and I think, oh, it's actually behind me, so I've got to backtrack. <laughs> so that level of insight is exactly what you yeah. just, just talked about. Big yeah. Data London, coming here next year, can analyze the CCTV footage and actually capitalize on that and, and talk to those exhibiti ex exhibitors next year about this is the prime location that you want to be in. Exactly, and therefore we're yeah. going to charge you a premium for it. Yeah. Driving data capital, value of, value of understanding the value of the data that you don't necessarily need. And we're talking about annual use cases, but there's also probably five and 10 year use cases that you might want to keep for, you know, renovation. When are they going to maybe overhaul this building? You know, are they going to add in, you know, change the air conditioning or plumbing and things like that? You're not going to know that today, tomorrow. So you're going to want to drill back into yeah. past events. You are, and, and on the flip side of that, you're going to want to do things immediately. You know, can, can we, do I know that you're standing in line in a coffee shop where you're always going to buy your, your your two shot oat milk latte from this yeah, morning's yeah. example from the same Starbucks in the store. Sorry, <laughs> from, from, the, from the same right. with my disposable cup. Other coffee, coffee shop. shops do exist. Yes, yeah, sorry. From <laughs> from from the same coffee shop that you visit <laughs> every <Sunbury>. single day. <laughs> but but can I can I use that real time information to suddenly know that you've opened your app and you've logged into it and you've got ten pounds forty nine on on your balance and your coffee's going to cost you three pounds twenty? How can I extract that? That, that, that other six pounds out of your wallet. I'm gonna send you a coupon for 10p off that breakfast muffin, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an offer in there that says, why don't you put an extra shot in there and it's only gonna cost you 50% of what it would normally cost. That's real time. It's enticing. Yeah. It's enticing, it's real time. And you, you're gonna sit there and think, well, for an extra 50p, I'll, I'll put an extra shot in there. And then it becomes, you become a three shot person. Three so, so it's a great example of this. If you, one of the, one of the deep learning applications is something called a cobot. You've heard about that? The, the, it's a cobot. Essentially, it sits alongside you and assists you in what you're doing. Now, in a working perspective, there are many different interpretations, but consider the example of Ross walking in with his phone on him uh, with it as a cobot. It could tell him that you're here because it knows you're here to see you. So it could help you as you come in. And that essentially is an inference. That's that, that little data that we're talking about. It's taking information like your GPS location, the map, the camera, to show you where to go. Ross, look up and left, there's, there's Arrow. Ben's wandered off, he's actually at the coffee stand buying an oat milk latte. Um, but, that, that kind of, but actually how you react and how you behave is also valuable. So there's all that data going back, as well as the inference, there's also data feeding back all the time. So the data sources are almost, there's just so much you could capture. So I think it's, it's an interesting world. And I think for me, it would be great if I'd have got a cobot this morning telling me, remember to put your disposable cup in your bag because I'd have saved 25p on the coffee that I got. But it wasn't there to help me. But these things are going to come. Um, you know, starting with Alexa, sorry, with some of the uh, home-based AI things that go in your house. But again, you know, your phone could come around with you. It could be real-time streaming. Consider the smart city. It could tell you, you know, by the way, it's really congested on, you know, let's say Oxford Street today. You might want to walk down Great Marlborough Street or take an alternative route. But this co these cobot applications and the potential for deep learning and, and all this data is, is immense. Uh, and for me, it's a really exciting time because I think we've really only just scratched the surface of what's possible. Fantastic. Well, look, guys, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, uh, just lastly, if people want to contact you, come work, come and speak to the Dell EMC team, 
sort of how do they get hold of you guys? How do they sort of talk to you about unstructured data? Is there a specific website or a place they can go to? Yeah, you can. I mean, they can reach out via um, via Arrow. And, I was going to say, our obviously, obviously, partners, um, our account, of all of our partners can come through our fabulous uh, Dell EMC team. Absolutely, that, that's a great way to reach us. If you want to learn more about this, you can find us on the, the Dell Technologies and Dell EMC website and follow the links um, to the thought leadership that we have around AI and, and the other areas of interest. Um, or you can find Ben and I, we're, we're on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. the social feeds, Twitter. Fantastic, all of those links will be in the show notes and the, and the description. So thank you very thank much, you, chaps. David. Really thank appreciate it. Great. Cheers, bye. Thank you for listening to Arrowdown really hope you enjoyed it and if you did please subscribe and please check out our other fantastic podcasts in the balance network see you again next week